0: So today on the Owner's Table Podcast, we talk to Mandy Majerick. Now, Mandy owns Prop House and Hot House here in Birmingham. So we go through the journey of taking over her grandmother's flower shop. She then decides to break all, all the sins of buying a business, and she moves and changes the name but it ends up being one of the best decisions she ever made. We talk about her journey as a business owner, we talk about her family, we talk about her investments. A lot of great information for people out there that want to be in the event industry slash wedding industry, but also business owners in general. So if you are want to be in the hospitality industry and you want to own your own business, this is a great episode to listen to with me and Mandy Majeric. Hey, thank you for joining me today.
1: Absolutely, I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So Mandy is a listener. So she sent me messages and saying that she's listened to some of our uh, previous guests. And so it's always good to have someone on here that understands who, what we're talking to, who we're we're talking about. So first question I always ask is, who are you, what do you do, Mm -hmm. and why does it matter?
1: Well, I am a business owner. Mm And I own a creative design house. And so that is divided into a company called Hot House Design Studio okay. and one called Prop House Birmingham. And we do wedding and event boutique rentals and design. That includes floral and we coordinate draping and everything that you see at an event that makes it beautiful, yep. we help establish that to get to the actual result.
0: So I've known Mandy uh, for a while just simply because of what Table & Time does. Sure. We, we, mm-hmm. we work together-ish together ish Mm-hmm. all the time like we were at the wedding three or four weeks ago at haven mm-hmm. that i was one of the prettiest weddings i've ever been a part of i <laughs> thought it was beautiful mm-hmm. um so okay so prop house hot house. so we've got flowers and mm-hmm. then it's the the props like when you go to an event it's the couches that are trendy and it's the That's t- right. this different it's not like um
1: we don't have six hundred Shivari chairs. Correct. We do more the, the boutique what I consider to be like the pretty things. The we, aesthetic stuff. That's right. We don't do tents, we don't do the hardscape things, we bring in all the pretty things. So if you come in as a hot house client, you're coming in wanting full design. What not, do you
0: mean full design? So tell me what that means. Full so design. I'm not a wedding
1: planner. No. Nope. Most people know what wedding planners are. Yeah. But being a designer, that means people come to me. They typically have what their event is, when the date is, you know, what they want to accomplish. We do a lot of corporate too. So we have sure. to understand if it's a grand opening. You've or... done a
0: lot of stuff here at Highlands College mm-hmm. in Church of the Highlands. That's
1: right. That's okay. right. And so, you know, they come in through that avenue and they want me to take the reins and help pick colors and table linens and where are we going to put draping and all of those sort of things. Or if we just have someone who just wants to rent something, like boutique rentals or something like right. that, they come through the prop house side, where we have more sell. We have a big sales team who facilitates those orders.
0: So, wedding planners. Mm-hmm. Well, wedding planners come to you, and or co- well, wedding planners get with the bride and groom and say, "We need to go talk to Mandy at, at Hot House for yes. flowers."
1: Um, most of the time, they have a design aesthetic they already know they want, so they'll come to me for that. Um but then if they decide that they're going to go a different avenue with floral, then they come through and go to props. And that so that's we do we a are. lot of custom building and painting through that.
0: Well, you, so you will build something custom for somebody. Someone Absolutely. says, "I want a I want a cheetah facade bar." <laughs> and <you'll laughs> we can have do it. People outside. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So And we've
1: had some interesting requests. You have. Right
0: <laughs> you have I've seen a lot of your stuff. So talk so you got a big warehouse, beautiful warehouse over in Homewood, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um what happens when the stuff gets old? Because, I mean, you just buy stuff, like kind of like me, for example. Like, we had a huge wedding not too long ago, and they mm-hmm. wanted stuff grilled on site. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a big grill it was portable, so I bought the grill.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The event more than paid for it. Sure. But I can use that thing for now, forevermore. But you can't use right. the same couch you know, for 10 years. Depends
2: on
1: how you take care of it. And okay. that's, a, that's a big thing I, I really am strict about all of our employees and our team is that we, we have delicate hands. Sure. You know what I mean? Our, our delivery team is amazing, but they also have protocols that they have to do to make sure that we take care of those items. Because it's a rental business, so if we can get, you know, 10 rentals out of it or if we can get 30 rentals out of it, it's how you take care of it. And more
0: money you can make.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: so we've talked to the back end of everything, the brief overview of it. Let's mm-hmm. talk about growing up. Okay. So tell me about your home growing up, mom, dad, wherever yeah. you grew up, whoever raised you. Give, give me an, an idea of what
2: that is. Yeah,
1: I grew up in just, I would call your average suburban home. Um, I just have one sibling, my brother, who's five okay. years older. And uh, mom and dad, my dad was um, owned his own business. What and, kind of business? Um, he does, like, he's in the steel industry. He, does, he did a lot of, like, big machinery repair, things like that. And my mom, I was lucky enough to have a stay-at-home mom. So she was, you know, PTA lady mm. and all of that. Um, real involved in church and activities and things like that. And so um, grew up there. But I think a big person to lean to also is my grandmother, who I, we grew up very close together. She owned a flower shop. That's sort of how all of this got started in the lineage. Um and I didn't know so, that. Yeah. So I'm a third generation floral designer. So mm-hmm.
0: dad was a business owner. Mm-hmm. Grandmother was a business owner. Mm-hmm. So did you... Let's just start That's a great question. I always ask, do you always, did you always know that you were going to own your own business? So when you grew up in elementary school, high school,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when someone said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. What did you say?
1: Well, I always knew I was creative. Okay. But I wanted to figure out how I could incorporate maybe some of that floral business in what I was doing. So when I initially went to college, I thought I might be a pharmacist. When I was little, I thought I might be an OBGYN, and then I translated to, maybe I want to be a pharmacist, and then I went to Auburn, and I was there, and I started taking some of those classes, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. I, it, was, it was not, crea- I didn't have that creativity to be used anywhere, and so I decided that I was going to go and, and follow more of my passion route, and um, gra- transferred to the University of Montevallo, graduated there. Okay. Uh, with an interior design degree and business minor, mm.
0: so so okay. So we sped this thing up really fast. So you go to college, end up Montevallo, mm-hmm. got a degree in some of ish what you do now because mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to have a degree in the right. rental the rental. You do a
1: hospitality degree. Um, it's not really
0: hospitality though, is? It? I mean, no. I don't, it,
1: for me, it really does behoove me to have it because of spatial planning. Like when I go into a room, I can do floor plans. You know, you do a lot of that in interior design degree because you're doing it in residential homes or corporate buildings.
0: So you got your degree from Montevallo, then – so that – how did that degree play into what you're doing now, or does it play into what you, because you talk about hospitality, how did it play into what you're doing now?
1: It does. It's very much more about, like, spatial planning. Um, it's a lot about, you know, when you think about an interior designer, you think about they're coming to a residential or a commercial space, and they're, you know, picking out paint colors, choosing flooring and things like that. When you think about it for an event, it's, it's that. It's just temporary. so we're still figuring out how we're going to space plan in the area how we're going to lay out the furniture it still has to have traffic flow and things like that so it really does it behooves me to have that degree how
0: much does experience play into what you're doing based off of just general creativity because like i can walk into a room and say this don't go here but like is it (laughs) is it more of like hey the creative eye or is it a trained and experience
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Sure. I think you need to be born with it. I think you have to be born with the creativity talent. I do. I think you can teach people things, but it's very obvious from when I've had assistants and people who work for me now, they they have to get it. They have to understand and um, I think, you know, it, it, I'm, I need a person, my right hand person needs to be very organized because mm-hmm. I'm a big picture person, but I, I kind of laugh because it's like at work on my desk, I have the pile method, right? So. It's like, I know this pile, I know that pile, but I'm, you know, it, it lands there. So I can tell you where it is, but it's not the most organized paperwork, Correct. Um, but, you know, I knew that wasn't one of my strengths. So you got to hire somebody to help you with that. And, and, Finding somebody who's organized but also has that creativity, talent, and things like that is a a rare unicorn
0: to find. So talk about (laughs) when you left Montevallo. What was step one after being a big girl?
1: So when I graduated, just like any um, child business, you know, you're a child in a business with parents. They have their own business, and so they pull you. My mom at that point was owning the flower shop. And she did a lot more daily deliveries, funeral services, anniversaries, okay. birthdays, that now kind of thing. And where was this flower shop? That was out in the Graysville, like, Hill, okay. Adamsville yeah. area. And um, that's where my grandmother's flower shop was. Okay. And then my mom took it over when she, my grandmother, um, got older. And at that point, it was kind of great. It was the time where my brother had a child. Mm. And so my mom was ready to be a grandmother. And so it was kind of like, what, you know, kind of like, what do we do with this family business?
0: Let Mandy do it.
1: Uh-huh. Very emotional. You know, do you want to sell it? Do you just want to close it? What yeah. do you want to do? And, and I, we had a roundtable family discussion, and my dad said, hey, if Mandy wants this, let her have it. Let so you, had you, let you graduated yet? Yes. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So you graduate. You go back, in essence, kind of go back home.
1: So I, I worked, when I first graduated, I worked half my time with my mom at the okay. flower business, and I worked the other half um, when Parkside, now it's a bar. But when yeah. it was an actual home decor store, I worked there. Parkside
0: I thought that was an event space
1: well it is now but originally it was a home decor store Oh, so when it was a home decor so what store were you I was doing worked there. there
0: so you just work in retail
1: did visual merchandising when he got new inventory in check you it set in it set it up make, make it, it look, look pretty, pretty. Ap- appealing for somebody to buy sure mm-hmm.
0: so you did that half the time and you helped did you just mm-hmm. help with the help the flower shop or are you like hey I'm in charge
1: helped. I mean, she was still there. Sure. She controlled the, the book. She controlled the money. Yeah. She, she did that. And, and, you know, I kind of started trying to, to edge it into what I consider to be kind of a more modern flower shop, yeah. not just a coffee mug and balloon mm, shop. Nice. Um, and it was very evident that I didn't want to be just in a suburban area like that and do daily deliveries the rest yeah. of my life. I have a little more drive than that. Sure. I'm a little more, you know, um, and so I, d- I told them when we sat down that I really wanted to <laughs> kind of create the cardinal, you know, the cardinal sins. I wanted to move it, move the location, yep. which is hard. Yeah. And I also wanted to change the name of it.
2: Oh. Um,
1: because. Well, if you,
0: move, you can,
1: yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And, and, you know, I still had the phone number. We just had it forwarded. So my phone was still ringing when I moved, which was a good thing. Huge. Business still happening. Yeah. Um, And it took me years to build that business up and break into that wedding and event market because it's hard to break into when you're young. I mean, I was only 26.
0: Okay, so you leave college. You're working part-time at the flower shop. You're working at the other side, at Parkside. In Mm -hmm. essence, it's kind of like retail stuff. Mm -hmm. So where does it progress from there? When did you leave? Did you leave Parkside and then start the flower thing full-time? Yes. How Mm -hmm. long did you do both?
1: Do both a couple of years.
0: Okay, and so then when did you move it?
1: Um, two years after I had been doing that, juggling between, like I said, my my brother had a baby. I could mm. just tell my mom was very ready to. Done. Yeah. And so um, that's when I think it was kind of the ultimatum of what's sure. going to happen to this place. Um, and so took the ball, ran with it, moved it.
0: Where'd you move it to? Uh,
1: 29th Street in Lakeview. So if you're going to Dr. Pepper Building.
0: Major. Right
1: down there. And that was before difference. the all the market was happening. I mean, this was back like 2006. So mm. that was before Pepper Place was like was the Was Pepper Place, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and we were just right there on that side street and about a 3,500 square foot building. Pretty big. And it was, it was big from where we came from. So you came from minor. A lot more rent.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So you're in minor, like mm-hmm. that area. That area, yep. Forestdale, or, and then you yep. go to downtown. downtown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the clientele is obviously totally different. That's
1: right. But I had to go where the clientele was.
0: Well, let me say this. Here's what's brilliant about this business. You took over the business and you moved, you did like commit the sin of changing the mm-hmm. name and moving a, mm-hmm. an existing business. Mm-hmm. The key is you had that. this sounds so silly, but like people were still calling the old number. That's right. And they were still getting flowers. And they were still talking to the same
1: people. You know what That's I mean, good. and and you know my mom would tell people, oh, you know, and she she when I opened downtown, That's really she still good. like came and helped the first couple sure. of years, just in and out, um, to be present, more yeah. supportive than anything. Yeah. And um, and so people were still talking to the same people they were. I mean, most people didn't even know he'd moved if we didn't tell them. Uh, but that opened the avenue for me to actually start pursuing the direction I wanted to take the business. Um, you know, people don't really care to drive 25 minutes out of downtown no. to where that flower shop was. But if everybody knew kind of where the Dr. Pepper building was and we were a lot more accessible to clientele who was willing to spend the money, have the arrangements that I wanted to design. Uh, they were able, they were willing to make an investment in something like that.
0: OK, so you're there for how long? So how long were you? So you so you leave the minor that side of town and mm-hmm. you come downtown. Mm-hmm. Where did you progress and what did you progress into doing anything different or did you do anything different there
1: well when I was down there we had retail storefront and then we did all the floral arranging and wedding work in the back and it got to be where after I broke into the market a little bit started making a name for myself the wedding business took off and Mm. the demand was more so I needed more
0: space okay so let's do this so why did the how did you get the demand how did you get How did you grow? It's a silly question, but how did you grow the flower business?
1: Well, I think, you know, in the beginning, you kind of have to give a little bit away. Sure. You have to do wedding shows. You have to help fellow vendors. You have to do things like that just to get your name out there. Mm -hmm. You're the new kid on the block. Um, but I wanted to do a different style than what was out there. Back in that time, you know, Dorothy McDaniels was in her prime. And I was trying to break into a market with someone like that. Yeah. And uh, she had her signature topiary styles and things like that. So I needed to develop what was my style. Hmm. What did people come to me for? Um, and, you know, it kind of parallels because I did a lot of research in the floral world on a national level, international level, um, and became accredited. So I, I did a lot of my own research at that point.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so mm-hmm. you bring up a great point. Someone's starting a business, mm-hmm. you made the comment, you have to give something away. So here's the thing. I'm mm-hmm. reading Alex Ramosi's book, $100 Million Leads. It's great. And he talks about the, what you just talked about. I read it this mm-hmm. morning. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. So tell me about in your business, what did you give away in order to grow the business? Tell me tell me that process.
1: Well, I think like, we'll take a wedding show for instance. Fellow vendors, you know, they needed a flower arrangement in their booth. So they would call me. Mm. Well, I wanted to work with them, but that was also an opportunity for me to get my product in their booth. They were already paying for the booth. And so after I did that for a couple of years, a lot of people realized, oh, well, you know, she has the creative flair and she has the things to bring. Um, and I, I will say hands down, we probably won best Booth Award for a lot of wedding shows.
0: <laughs> I want people to hear what you just said though did you it probably went unnoticed. You said this. we did that for a couple of years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not a couple shows. Oh no, Mm-mm. a couple years, mm-hmm. and I think the testament here is like the patience' game of putting your head down and growing the business and oh, doing yeah. the things that you've got to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not a six-month process. It's not a two-week process. It's not a one-time process. I yeah. mean, you gave lots of flowers away, and
1: yeah, lots of time, a lot lots of labor, of time. yeah, a lot of personal time, a lot of reinvestment in the company. Like a lot of that has to happen. You know, I like the quote where it says, you know, you can't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. No, and it's the truth. You have to give it away for so many years until you get to the point where your demand is high, and then you, the rest of the way to grow is to learn to say no. <laughs>
0: That's exactly what I mean.
1: You got to say yes, but then you got to realize when the pendulum swings to where you then need to start saying no to some things.
0: I tell people all the time saying, you get to a certain point where saying no is a superpower. Absolutely. And if you can figure Mm -hmm. out the right things to say no to, you can be extremely, Mm -hmm. extremely profitable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you brought up a good question. So there's a lot of talk about style and just design. Mm -hmm. How did you figure out your style?
1: I was a little more modern for the southern area okay um i did a lot of things that had really dramatic line and typically when you think about most people when i think they think about a flower arrangement it's very traditional they probably seen one hundred flowers ftd images Uh, But I wanted to have something different. And a great story is now she's my sister-in-law, but she wasn't at the time. And my brother sent this girl at the Birmingham News, back when Birmingham News was around, sent her a flower arrangement. And at Valentine's Day, all the flower arrangements are lined up on the counter, like the concierge desk. They're all there. Because you can't take them to the people; they have to come down and get them. And so she, they called her and said, "Hey, you know, have flower arrangement." And she came down and she's looking at hers compared to a dozen other ones sitting there. And one of her coworkers also got called down there, and she looked at at my sister-in-law and she said, "I mean, I'm glad I got flowers, but you got art. Like that's, that's beautiful, awesome." And so I think it having the creative eye and realizing what the medium is and how you can use it, it's just like an artist. You know what I mean? Or chefs? Yeah. everybody they use the same components it's just how they put it together
0: how do you develop that
1: i think i think researching it and practice practice you know what i mean you got it you got to put the time in just like when you're training for a marathon or something like Mm. that you have to you have to try you have to know does this flower work in foam does it need to be in water there's a lot of i mean Mm. you're working with a a live product when you work with flowers
0: I think that one of the things you talk about is practice and like just doing mm-hmm. it over and over again. Sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's great. And you just mm-hmm. got to figure out what's, what works for you. Mm-hmm. What were the, um, who are the new clients? Who were, like, obviously the clientele in downtown Birmingham and, you know, Hill area is different. Mm-hmm. Who were they?
1: Well, I really, I really targeted trying to get into the wedding market with wedding okay. planners. Yeah. That was a big in.
0: How but, did you do that? You talked about shows, mm-hmm. you talked about giving stuff away, mm-hmm. but like. How did you get to, to know these, these planners? What was your, what was I tried your to go to
1: the networking events they went to. Okay. I tried to, to, I mean, I, like I said, I was a new kid on the block. You sure. know what I mean? 26 and, and it's hard to get a dad to invest $10,000 to spend on their daughter's wedding back then <laughs> on flowers right. or whatever, um, to, when you don't know how much experience someone has. Right. And, and so I think I just had to realize where those people were that I wanted to rub elbows with and make a good impression with, and that's where you had to go.
0: How important was moving?
1: A thousand percent important. Why? Because like you had to go where the clientele was because they didn't, certain people don't want to drive out of their radius. Sure. Like I know a lot of people who love Forest Park. I love Forest Park. Yeah. But they don't want to leave Forest Park if they live there. Yeah. So they're happy there's a restaurant and a grocery store and they, mm. you know, if they have to restaurant, leave. Restaurant,
0: grocery store, flower shop.
1: Yeah. If they have to, <laughs> so, if they have to leave Hoover, you know I mean? Forest Park can drive to
0: Hoover eh, mm. they wanna
1: stay in their own little area. Yeah. And so I think that was, uh, you know, had a lot of support from that, Yeah, just being in a, a more neighborhoodish area.
0: One of the things is, you hear this a lot, and you mentioned it already, you talked about networking. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a buzz term a little bit, but it's also extremely important. Mm-hmm. Some people say networking, some people say relationships. Sure. Tell me about these, tell me about how the networking went for you at this point. What did that look like, networking?
1: Well, I quickly realized that, you know, starting out, you, you're just trying to get your name out there. And yeah. so networking to the wedding market that I wanted to be a part of was very different than general business networking. For instance, Chamber of Commerce or B&I or yeah. a lot of those different groups. I tried all of that. I I, try, I just put it out there to see where I was a good fit, sure. where I was the most comfortable. Um, and it definitely landed me in that wedding realm. And so I decided that when I started the, that business and really wanted to grow, I pushed hard in the wedding Avenue Um, now fast-forwarding we do a lot of corporate work as well didn't when I started but now we've transitioned to do a lot of corporate work too
0: so on the networking piece let's 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 like role play here sure so this is 15 years ago you've been in business two years um, and we're an event and Mm -hmm. I'm a wedding planner how would you how would you start networking with someone you wanted to do business with go
1: definitely figure out look see who they were talking to okay who they associate with, look to see where they're sitting. If you have the opportunity to sweep in and sit beside them, you need to try to do that. Okay. <laughs> um, if it's a stand-up mingle thing, you just, you have to be, for me, I'm a very, I'm an introvert. Now I can talk to a room of 500 people, mm. but talking in a small group, one-on-one, I do tend to be a little more introverted. Really? Uh-huh, I do, I do. And mm. so it, I think it was a little bit hard, but you just have to force yourself to do it. And so introducing myself you know what I mean? I, you give a little bit of praise. You let them yeah. know you know who they are. Ask them a question. Let them yes. start talking. And then they'll eventually ask you a question about, well, what are you, where are you from? have ever you know, they'll you engage. Yeah. But you Perfect. have to, you, ha- you can't be a
0: wallflower. No. You can't just sit in the room no. and expect people to come to you. I agree with that. No. So let's talk about the business part of it, mm-hmm. okay? Where do you think you are as far as the business part of it, the, the money, mm-hmm. the profit margin, Mm -hmm. those types of things because all you've talked about so far is the design and here's the thing Mm -hmm. design people creative people (laughs) typically aren't type a black and white numbers people right i agree i completely agree so tell me about the business part Mm -hmm. of your industry starting out
1: Mm -hmm. i had to learn a lot did you I had, and luckily I had my parents, I could ask questions. I had good support from that perspective, but I think learn, I mean, there were years when I went, I mean, I was a business owner. And so, you know, you, you don't take a paycheck home when you first no. start out <laughs> and it took a long time before, you know, I was profitable enough to be able to feel like I could sure. and I would just take what I needed. You know what? You just take mm-hmm. what you need to survive, pay your mm-hmm. rent, pay, you know, this and that. And so eventually, you know, I was a one man show too. I worked by myself. I, mm-hmm. I traveled the country doing a lot of speaking engagements. So I had revenue coming in from that perspective.
0: Oh, Starting out as a business owner and mm-hmm. having a flower shop. How, what do you, how did you go travel and, and speaking? Tell me about that.
1: So I have an accreditation of AIFD, which is American Institute of Floral Designers. And how
0: important is that? Because I don't know anybody that's got that. I know a lot of flower people. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody has got that. Mm-hmm. So why is that important?
1: I think it's a, a self... Um it's something that you want to attain for yourself. It doesn't necessarily make you make more money. It doesn't make you, but it's kind of like a doctorate degree for floral design. That's perfect. But it makes connections. And that's what people ask me about. It makes connections. And um, so when I, they have annual conferences and things like that, and you're among people like you, and there's companies who are in your realm of things. So there's one particular company, Accent Decor, and they sell containers and wedding arches and things like that. And um, made the connection there. And they, I do catalog work for them. Them. so i'll travel to atlanta about three or four times a year work on arrangements new products they have coming out prototypes and they for their photo- catalog mm-hmm. and that's how they get all the beautiful images in the catalog
0: mm-hmm. okay i want to come back to that question
1: so it's making those kind of connections yeah
0: okay so let's just talk about it now so talk about that part of your business mm-hmm. so how lucrative is that you going over there for xyz company and doing the catalog stuff does that pay good it pays me well pays you out because (laughs) Uh of the experience and time and things like that yeah that's right how many of those different side gig things do you have
1: i used to do a lot so uh, there used to be a lot of floral organizations and they would pay designers to come to do a design show at their wholesale house or whatever and uh, and that's where a lot of them pulled from was that accreditation organization and so you get into that and then they know you know the rules Mm. because you have to to be able to be accredited you test and things like that and so you can you can come and you know the rules you can break the rules but really to inspire people and i think that's the i think that's what made me so good at that particular part of my job is that i was creative and i did love the inspirational part of it and would get people excited about it yeah
0: you know so you're in business, you've you got a new place, you've moved. Tell me where it progressed from there. When, when, tell like, where did, you're there, for, how long were you there at that location?
1: Five years. Okay, well, my so, lease was at five years. So I to where, five where year did lease. you go
0: after the five years?
1: So at that point, weddings were becoming a big mainstay. Retail, not that much. Yeah. And so I made the decision to move there, and I moved strictly to, like, an industrial warehouse area. Where? Over in Homewood, in West Homewood. Same
0: place you're at now? No. Okay.
1: Um, over on Distribution Drive. Mm. So it ha- they have a ton of, yeah, yeah. I know exactly of, what um, of little you know places to go. Yeah. So I started out there, rented one space, and that was about the tipping point when um, weddings were becoming more than just centerpieces. People wanted the furniture. They wanted the backdrops. They It started creeping in and I was the creative place and I was also willing to purchase those things. So sometimes you would go to a wedding florist and they would say, here's three containers you can choose from. But if they came to me and they wanted a, a pink trumpet vase, I didn't have it. Well, I would be interested in purchasing it because I wanted, that's what set me apart. That was one of the issue things that set me apart. And so people would come to me for something different.
2: Mm. And
1: so then my inventory began to grow. And with that perspective, we added. And then I got to be like the getting place, the place where other floral designers could come. Can I borrow this? Hey, I know you have this. Can I use this for this Mm -hmm. weekend? And so I quickly realized, because I couldn't keep up with where everything was. And so I realized this this has potential to be a a business. And so then that's when I, I started doing Prop House. And so we got rental inventory software, we had to catalog everything I already owned, yeah. and put a price value on it. And then that is when it was, you know, if you if you called me and you said, "Hey, I've got an event and I need twelve gold serving platters," you know, if I had it, then you could come and rent it from me, right? And bring it back, you know, after a couple if of days. I, so. If
0: you didn't have it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it depended. In the beginning, I reinvested a lot, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reinvested so much back into inventory. Mm. Um, and I was a risk taker, you know, I was doing catalog work. So I was the first in to know what some of the new trends were that were what coming, coming in. in. And so I could be on wow. the, be ready to kind of, I mean, it was a great, a great, um, advantage I had to a lot of other people in the industry. And so, yeah, but you do, you have to reinvest it. You know, like my dad says you got to spend money to make money. Yeah, and do. and I was at that point in my career. I really had to spend it to grow the inventory.
0: Okay. So see, I want you to see if you remember this. So you're in business say, Let's just say five years now. Mm -hmm. um what was your first big deal oh gosh like like you went okay this is you got nervous this is a big deal it was a lot of money it was a lot of money in your pocket what was your first big deal
1: I would probably say when I started to break into corporate work because corporate like UAB Okay. Big, you know, UAB has an events team, and so once you can break into working with someone in the events team, then they, it starts to be repetitive, mm. you know, client, because they have a lot of events at UAB, um, and I think a lot of that, because I was down there, it was in that market, and I think when they first called and wanted me to do this or that, um, we did a lot of, you know, when I had my first big gala, we do... Um, like now we do Camp Smiley Mile, the Red Nose Gala. We do what we did, the Birmingham Museum of Art Gala and just things like that. I think when you get a big event like that with, you know, 600, 1,000 people.
0: Okay, so you're in business for five years. Mm-hmm. Give me your first, what was your first big event where you made a lot of money?
1: I would probably say the Birmingham Museum of Art Gala.
0: Oh, it's a big event. Mm-hmm. How'd that go?
1: It was stressful. It went well. Okay. It was stressful. Um, you know... You're going to an event at a at a very prestigious place. Yeah, um, a lot of rules to follow, uh, making sure your staff is <laughs> following those rules, sure. and uh, and just making a good impression. I mean, you have a lot of heavy hitters there, a lot of potential clients. Sure, that see your work.
0: How many people was that event?
1: I want to say they have about eight hundred people.
0: So, if there's eight hundred people at the event, what? How much do you? How much do they pay you to do whatever it is you did there?
1: Uh, it wasn't a profit necessarily, but I want to say budget was hundred thousand dollars for you. Just for, for linens, me, That's things incredible. like that. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Some decor. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so when you bring in, and you gross that hundred grand, mm-hmm. you, you sit there and you go, because I mean, we've had events like that where you just made a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Do, you ever, what, do you sit there and go, all right, we've made it? Or do you go, okay, what can I do with this money?
1: I think it's more what can I do with this money. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very much a risk taker. You know, I'm willing to, to try to spend it to, to grow. And I think I think that's a big thing. I've reinvested, like I said, a lot of money. Okay, so, Back so props, that term.
0: Okay, let's talk about that term. People say it all the time, and a lot of people don't understand what that means. When you say I reinvested it in my business, to give me an example, what that is for you.
1: So, if we have an event that let's just say we bring in ten thousand dollars profit. Okay. I don't necessarily take that $10,000 profit and put it all in a savings account and just let it grow and multiply. I take that money and I say, hey, I've been wanting green couches or we've had a lot of requests for green couches. Mm. I've got this 10 extra grand. I'm going to spend five grand to get some new couches in here. To fulfill the need that I've had, been asked for. So when I think I have pockets of opportunity like that, yeah. I take it. And that's what I mean by reinvesting back in the business. You know, you put a little bit of money because you're going to need a bigger building. You're going to need a bigger space. Yeah. You know, you put a little bit of money and in, in, so you can buy some inventory. Right. Um, because I don't like to to go out and just go, you know. Shopping and, and do girl math and be like, oh, I'll put it on the credit card. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, math. it's no, no big deal. It But you, you know, I have to have a reason to get most things.
0: Right. Um, hang on. I'm trying to get organized. After the five years you moved over mm-hmm. into Homewood, mm-hmm. you started the prop house stuff. That's right. You started buying couches and buying whatevers. Yes. Tell me the program. Pro, pro, uh, Tell me the progression from there. Like, How did it progress? Like, How did it grow? Did, is it just all word of mouth or did you market? What did you do?
1: A lot of it was word of mouth. I think I had already set the precedence in that that market, the wedding market, we'll say. Set so that precedence. I was creative. I was interested in having different things. Yeah. And so there was no one in the Birmingham area who was doing what I wanted to do. And now it would be hard for someone to catch up with all the inventory that we have. I mean, we have mm. over 250 sofas. And
0: <laughs> doing to couches, yeah,
1: you got to have space to hold all that too. No yeah, that's true. Um, and so you know, started the prop house thing, used what I already had in inventory. Like I said, it really reinvested back a lot of profit margin and things yeah. like that back into that, and um, grew from there quickly. I I thought you know, renting things and having other people help rent things made my life run a lot smoother because when people came in for weddings and they wanted florals and everything, they wanted me. They wanted me to be there yeah, and they weren't really happy if I wasn't there. So Mm. I I worked every weekend, every Saturday, all day long. And now flip the, the, you know, flip the coin prop house now is the heavy hitter for the businesses that I have. As opposed to hot house. Mm -hmm. Because I really started kind of pumping the brakes and starting to say no Mm. to a lot of floral things because the, well, the props are a lot more profitable when you look at it from being well, you, a business you owner, you spend a
0: thousand dollars. You rent it for three hundred, four hundred. I don't know even what right. you rent it for. You spend a thousand dollars. You rent it for 300, right. three hundred. You know, six weeks later, you, you're printing money.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I definitely realized that I could work a lot smarter and not harder. Mm. And people didn't mind who sold that to them. Oh, okay. Because if you see a green couch, you know what it looks like. Just as long as it's there on time and it's clean. Yeah. That's what they care about. They don't care about who brings it.
0: So let's talk about growth, for example, for for a minute. So. Have you moved, you're over in West Homewood? Mm-hmm. You got a warehouse full of stuff. You're just mm-hmm. slowly buying couches, slowly buying mm-hmm. chairs, slowly buying mm-hmm. vases and whatever mm-hmm. other bar facades. Whatever. Tell me about the the, the hockey stick, the the growth. Well, how did that go? Oh,
1: we doubled almost every year.
0: Did you really in revenue? We did too mm-hmm. for about four years.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We we I had one space in Distribution Drive, and then you know I had another space next door when it came available. Then I had a third space and a couple of rental, like, metro rental storage units. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. So then I realized that I wanted to purchase, try to purchase something. Mm. And that sort of started the domino effect of, of kind of where I am now. But I bought a 30,000-square-foot building. Where you are now? Where I am now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's odd. A lot of people in business don't think that's wise. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, think it's extremely wise. Mm -hmm.
1: It's definitely helped me leverage other ventures I wanted to do because I was able to purchase that building and 26 acres right there altogether when I bought. And so the borrowing power that that gives me has allowed me to do other things.
0: Do you still own the 26 acres?
1: I just sold two, but it's on 24. (laughs) Yes.
0: How long did you own? Did you buy that with debt or did you buy that with cash?
1: Uh, I put some money down, but mainly debt. Mainly debt. For that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so for those of you all that don't know, this is in the middle of Homewood. And Homewood is a really, really wonderful part of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. It's a very, I mean, there are good parts and bad parts, but there's good parts sure. and bad parts to everything. Mm-hmm. But you're in a pretty good part of Homewood. So you bought, how long ago did you buy that 26 acres?
1: Um, Ten years ago.
0: So that was the next move. Mm-hmm. So you bought this big... Mm-hmm. Warehouse, 30,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about revenue. Mm-hmm. Let's go back 10 years ago. When you bought this, what were you doing in gross revenue? Around about what were you doing in gross re- I'd revenue? I'd
1: probably say around a million.
0: Around a million. Mm-hmm. When did it start to not double?
1: Mm, well, it slowly built, and then I would say we were probably around the two and a half million mark before COVID hit. Okay. But you have to think about what was doubling. So I was saying no to flowers and more to prop house. And so the prop house part was doubling mm. every year as, as the hot house started slowing back, Decreasing. pulling back a little bit. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What percentage of your revenue, let's just, say, let's just use the $2 million mark. So $2 million, what percentage of it is flowers and what percentage of it is prop house today?
1: Now, hot house is about 21%. Okay. Yeah, about twenty one percent of the business, and then prop house seventy nine, eighty, something like
0: that. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, so going back, so you moved into this new space, you got a big warehouse, and you've been the biggest part of about owning a business. And people don't realize is you go for a long time and just reinvest stuff. Absolutely. Like we make, I mean, I remember we went from ninety thousand to one hundred eighty to two to to three sixty mm-hmm. to we hit three sixty and we we capped out about four eighty the next year. But like I didn't see any of that money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I mean, you make I can, a I can lot see, of money. You I can
1: a, see it if I walk in my warehouse. Sure. But I can't see half it. <laughs>
2: million bucks. You bring
0: in a <laughs> right. half million bucks and you're still living the same way. Right. Right. But I think that's the part of the patience game of owning a business and the mm-hmm. wise part of like, hey, we we made a lot more money and mm-hmm. we bought this. We made mm-hmm. this and we bought this and mm-hmm. this thing that we bought. For example, I bought a smoker and that sounds really silly, but I bought the smoker. I paid this. I paid like nine thousand dollars for the smoker. Yeah. But that sucker was paid for mm-hmm. in like six months yeah. when we were in Tennessee.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because it produced so much meat for us mm-hmm. that it just, it just paid for itself. That's right. So, what is the, if you could go, if you could go back,
2: mm-hmm.
0: let's, take, let's just take, for example, the time when you moved into this building, the big building that you're in now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you could change something, what would you change about any of that, any business decision that you made during that process?
1: I probably would have hired a couple of more people because at that point the the goal of prop house is to rent things and if people can't see those things they don't know that they can rent them and so we were so inundated with business that it was hard to get all of our inventory online so people could go look at it and just literally someone to input all of the inventory because it has to have you know, cost of goods has to have rental value, replacement value, sizing, pictures, all of that, mm. and so it just compounds because if you're ordering things all the time. I mean, right now we probably spend three hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars a year in new products. Wow! Which that is purchasing sofas and things, but also custom building, which is where we've gone to recently in the market.
0: Okay, how many people do you have on your team now? Twenty-eight. Whoa, I was not expecting that. Okay. 28 people. So talking about hiring people, give me an example of some of those roles.
1: Well, we start, you know, obviously with like general manager. We have warehouse manager, some supervisors over there. We have our delivery team, and then we also have our sales team. So that's sort of how prop house is divided: mm. sales team, delivery team, um, and then I did have a lot of floral designers on staff when I was really doing a lot of weddings. But now I've dialed it back to just using freelancers, which are people to call in when I have big events that just come work for that particular amount of time.
0: Talk to me about your sales team. What does that look like? Salesperson working for Mandy Majerik.
1: Well, I think it's a pretty good gig. I think it's great. <laughs> what do they? What are
0: they? What do they sell? Like, is it? Is it all? Is it uh, client-facing? Is it just open door? Is it picking up the phone? Is it outreach? What does it look like for you?
1: So, to be honest, because we were such a unique business in this market, our phone was ringing. Mm. So, I didn't didn't have to do a lot of outreach. So, it was just keeping up with the demand of it. Getting a proposal turned around quick enough. That's it. And it, it was. And I quickly saw the busier we were getting. I mean, we had... We had two prop house salespeople, and then we had myself and my assistant, and we just couldn't keep up with it. We just could not do that, and the hot house side of it, too. And so I quickly turned my assistant into a sales team member because she had been to every meeting with me. She heard my spills. She heard sure. how I sold things. She knew how I designed things. And so you, know, you have to look at Some people call, and they say, hey, I know what I want, X, Y, and Z. And I need it this day and this time. Some people come and they're like, oh, my colors are blue and green and I need a lounge collection and some bars. Mm. So at that point, my sales team has to, has to flip to being de- a designer, not just an order taker. They have to sell, yeah. help sell it. They have to put the package together. And, yeah. um, you know, we recent, recently, as in June recently... Um, we were seeing where we were having another growth spurt and we still were behind, still couldn't get the proposals turned around what we think is quick enough. Conversion rate was not enough because people weren't getting the stuff back in
0: time. What was your, okay. So let's talk about that for a second. So I'm, I've interrupted you, but I'm sorry. Cause it's a great question. So we try to get back with people less than 24 hours when they call. Mm-hmm. So you talk about this growth thing. What, mm-hmm. why were you not, what, how quick were you getting back to these people?
1: Well, we have an amazing secretary and she is on it. I mean, she used to be a general manager. So if you ever want to try to hire a new secretary, <laughs> if yeah. you can get someone who's retired from a business like that, right. um, but she believes in customer service. So the minute the phone rings, if she misses it, she's calling somebody back. Mm-hmm. If they leave a message, she's calling them back. So our initial contact was very quick. Right. Um, and then she would take the notes, send it to a salesperson but it might fall on that desk for two or three days before oh. they even got to see it, yeah. unless it was urgent. I didn't get it this weekend kind of thing. And so we were quickly seeing, hey, after we didn't reach back out for two or three days, they had already gone and tried to do something else. Or they had, you know what I mean? It lost the momentum. Sure. And so, God, um, that's good. I mean, it was good and a bad problem. <laughs> but I realized that, hey, maybe if we if we kind of brainstormed with, my assistant who was one of the sales associates i was like what can we do to make this better like what do we need you know well let's hire an assistant and at that point i was like you know if we're going to train one person and hire one person why don't we hire three okay that way every salesperson has an associate with them so it's a team so if somebody goes on vacation there's still somebody there handling that account and knows what that order is about
0: so you hired an assistant for every one of your salespeople. that's
1: right so they work as teams now, so now
0: we're able that to start. That was hard. It's hard though. I mean, that's a lot of freaking labor dollars. Yeah, it
1: is. Yeah, it is. But I'm, I'm, I do. I take a lot of risk. I try to put it out there. If it doesn't work, I thought, hey, if it doesn't work, then I don't have to keep them. Sure. I mean, you know that. I think that's.
2: So you know.
0: did that? How, how did that make a difference? How did hiring assistant for every one of your salespeople? How did that make a difference?
1: Um, people were getting proposals back the same day.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Did that? Did that cause growth?
1: Absolutely. Well, it, yes, but it, it made us it made the conversion rate happen much quicker. Talk so, about
0: conversion rate. So people don't people say think they do, but they don't. What is what do you mean when you say conversion rate?
1: So if our phone rang and we did a proposal for someone and we sent it to them, they have two weeks to decide if they want this or not. But if you're so inundated, you're not following back up with them. You're not saying hey, you know your proposal is going to expire. Are there any changes mm-hmm. I can make for you? You're not developing the relationship and we all know people like to talk to people they want to make a relationship they want to communicate and so we were missing that component and it was just like hey we got the proposal out that's what you wanted and we weren't thinking about it again but it wasn't turning that's right no but it wasn't turning into an, an order it wasn't turning into money so we were doing all of this work but we weren't actually getting a sale
0: gotcha so you were let me go back you were sending the proposal, and then mm-hmm. that was it. You were leaving their court. You were not following up at all. And so we didn't some, have time. So sometimes they would call back and say, yeah, I want to book it, and sometimes they wouldn't think anything about it, and they just, it would just get dropped, and they, you'd never right. hear from them again.
1: Yeah, that's right. And mm-hmm. it could be even the smallest question about, I'll just use an example, like a delivery charge. You know, if they, if they thought the delivery charge was too expensive, we have a will call option. Well... Maybe they didn't know we had a will call option. Whatever, you know, maybe they thought this was too much for delivery. Can we Can we do something to reduce the delivery cost? Yeah. Well, sure, we can always adjust certain things. If you can pick up in a certain time frame, things like that. And But we didn't have the conversation happening. Mm. So we were losing a lot of that. And it was like, to, it's very frustrating as a salesperson. You know, when you sit down and you're like, I'm doing all this work. And, you know, we're not hitting our margins. We're not hitting our goals. We're not, you know, it's like, what can you do to help? And quickly realized that we needed... Someone to help push through those proposals and make those connections and pick up the phone and call people back and put on the calendar in two weeks we need to follow up with Mr. So-and-so about his order and answer any questions and things like that. So we just, we weren't present enough, I think, in the selling because we were so inundated just trying to make people happy with who was calling just to get their proposal.
0: So you were getting the, you were getting the proposals out like we all want to. You just weren't mm-hmm. any, doing any follow the follow up putting in there. What did you do to change that? Did you just like go off and say we got what 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 changed that?
1: Yeah, it was just frustrating. Sales yeah. team was starting to get burnt out. They were frustrated and, you know, it was like you could you were just treading water.
0: What system did you put in place to where Mr. so and so got followed up with?
1: Um, when the when we hired the three new assistants, mm-hmm. we sat down and we said, okay, this is what we want them to do. And, you know, it's, you know, when the, when it comes in, who is actually gonna email the proposal to the person? The sales, the main salesperson is, but who's doing the back end work? A lot of the sales associate assistants, assistants are. And so, you know, if, if our, our receptionist picked up the phone for Mr. So-and-so who wants a round bar this weekend, well, that can get pushed to the assistant, they're inputting everything, and 30 minutes later, They've emailed it to the, to the salesperson and says, hey, we're, this is ready to send out. It goes through an approval process through me and the general manager. We have to look at it. You look all at them. all of them? Me, me and the general manager. We you all look of them. at all of them? Mm-hmm. Mandy. Between both of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's it, a lot. It is a lot. But, you know, I don't even
0: look at all of our. I don't even look well, at all of Well, and it's ours. not so
1: much for pricing. Some of it is to make sure the fees are right or the certain things are on there. But really, it's just to make sure that... You know, it looks, there's no misspellings. I mean, it, it's a reflection of you too. and It's accountability. You know what I mean? And and they know, and I mean, you know, I would say probably one out of every five, we change something on, or sure. we have a comment to make about it. But usually it's like a quick, hey, 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 this looks great. Send it on. Because everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. But I think it's just our double check process to make sure, sure. Yeah. you know, as it goes I like through.
2: It. Yeah.
0: Uh, you probably are not going to answer this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Mm-hmm. Who is the MVP of your team?
1: That's a hard question. I know. But I would probably say the, the girl who's my general manager now.
0: Okay. Tell me about her.
1: She, um, her dad, also owned a business. Um. And I think, I think that's kind of ingrained in a person when they see their parents work hard and they know what hard work is. Mm-hmm. Um, she was fresh out of college looking for a job. Knew she wanted to be in the wedding market wedding industry. Um, she had a cousin who worked in the wedding industry, and she said, hey, where can I try to get in, with, you know, somebody, and she interviewed several places, uh, but someone led her to me, and uh, she went through our first interview. I wasn't in it, and then it got tossed to me. Hey, this is probably a good person. You know what I mean? You probably yeah. work well with her, and, uh, and interviewed her, and asked her a couple questions, and she is, um, she has all of the, the attributes that I don't, so when you, when I say, you know. What I'm a, are
0: those? That's great. I want to hear that.
1: Well, she's very organized. She's very type A. She's, any, she's an Enneagram one, if that mm. makes what sense. What are you? I'm a five. Okay. I don't is,
0: even know what a five is. Well, it's
1: rare. Yeah. Apparently. I've never heard of anybody being a five. Yeah. Not a lot of people are.
0: What are you, Luke? I'm a three. Huh.
1: Yeah. Not a lot. Especially women. A lot more men are fives.
0: Everybody says I'm an eight. Hmm. That's exactly
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she kind of kept it together for me. You know, if we got an email in, we, were, we copied each other. She went on every meeting I went on. And mm-hmm. one of my mentors in the floral business told me one time that when he went to a meeting, he never wanted to lose eye contact with the client. So when you're writing notes or you're filling out a questionnaire, you're breaking your eye contact. your eye contact with somebody. And so he said, I have somebody sit in and take all the notes for the meeting. All I'm doing is keeping the conversation going.
0: You know what? It's funny you say that. I do that with Sierra. Mm-hmm. Sierra is probably my MVP. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in a meeting, mm-hmm. I don't want to take notes. Yeah, yeah. And I just have her. She's over typing, and she do Sometimes she's sitting in an hour meeting, don't say nothing. Yeah. Because she's just taking down what we're saying.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I, I've never heard it said that way, but yeah. I do that. Yeah, I guess I just do that. So it's kind of a game
1: changer because she could she was taking all the notes in the meetings and she could prep our proposals with all the information. And then when it came to me, all I was doing is putting pricing in. I was maybe embellishing some words, make romanticizing our proposal a little bit. Mm. And then we were able to send it out because doing a flower proposal took about three to five hours to do one proposal because everything's custom.
0: Because you had to price out all those sticky oh, yeah. flowers.
1: Nobody wants the same thing over and over again. It's not a rinse and repeat kind of thing. Well,
0: Do, do flower prices fluctuate based off the time of year?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do.
0: I think where you and I are similar is this. is in, When we did start Table in Time, mm-hmm. one of the things that we pride ourselves on is Susie, the girl getting married, or so-and-so, the planner of mm-hmm. whatever corporate event. I don't want to slide a menu across the desk and say circle two protein, circle three sides, yeah. circle one dessert. That's right. So I sit there and look at them and say, hey, tell me what you want.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of times, we have the same clients you do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They know, they got the client that walks in, they know exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. I want this, 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 they got on a spreadsheet, they send it to you, right. it's easy. Those
1: are easy. Those are easy.
0: <laughs> you got the one on the other end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. that's like, they have no freaking clue what they want, yep. zero. And mm-hmm. you have to pull information out of, them. difficult, Mm -hmm. and then you have the one in the middle that has Mm -hmm. a decent idea but not totally sure they just Mm -hmm. need you to help them
1: you're the professional so I know kind of what I want and you handle it Mm -hmm.
0: the first and the the third are easy the one that you got to pull the information out of is is difficult Mm -hmm. we are very custom we also have some cookie cutter stuff that they say Hey, I just want something simple. Mm-hmm. Can you just, and we just, we do, we can slide the menu across the table sure. and have them circle. But for the most part of what table and time does, it is extremely custom mm-hmm. because someone is coming to us because we are more expensive than a lot of other people, mm-hmm. but we're anytime you take a, I tell people this all the time. They're like, man, you guys are expensive. I'm like, I'm bringing a freaking restaurant <laughs> That's right. to your think and we are creating something that we've never created for anything like before mm-hmm. and we're bringing it somewhere mm-hmm. so it's going to be more
1: mm-hmm. than cuz you got to keep it cold you got to keep it hot
0: yeah, yeah it's got to look good cuz okay. you don't want it to look bad
1: that's
0: right so and, the, and you are in food so yeah. it
1: can't spoil or it anything can't like that bad. so yeah so i think that's
0: where we're really really similar <laughs> right. so this person what's your what's your person ashlyn ashlyn mm-hmm. okay do you worry about them leaving
1: I mean, I, I think any business owner worries about their right-hand person leaving for some reason, mm-hmm. but I think it's the company culture you create. Yeah. I think it's harboring that relationship and looking at that and seeing what her needs are, where she is in her life. Mm-hmm. Cause when I hired her, she was a college graduate. Yeah. Very different. She could work all the time. Sure. She, I mean, she was single, you know, that kind right. of thing. Well, then she was with me for a few years and she got married. So when she got married, things changed, things changed. But also I was, she, we were in the wedding industry. Yeah. So she was lucky. You know what I mean? She, she paid for materials. That, but, of course, I threw everything because I wanted it to be beautiful. Yeah. I mean, she was my right person. I wanted yeah. it to be beautiful for her. A right. great day. And then, you know, you move along. And recently, earlier this year, she had a baby. Mm. And so priorities changed then. And so days off, weekends working, things addressed. And I think being able to be malleable and, and realize what is important to her. Right. At the time in her life. I think because I, I, I've always said I want to treat people the way I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great relationship that we have. And we have very open communication. I mean, we spend a lot of time together. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, so. So
0: if there's someone out there that has a W-2 job right now or a college graduate mm-hmm. and they want to get into the business that you're in, flowers, rentals, whatever, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? Well, I
1: think they have to understand. I mean, I think it's very lucrative business. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the time demands are, are different than yeah. a normal job. So you have to be willing to, to be able to be flexible in that perspective. But I think understanding that when you come into a company, or at least my company, when you come in, you are going to do what everyone else does. So you're going to understand what it's like to be on a delivery pickup mm-hmm. at 2 AM on a Saturday morning. Mm. Cause you're going to see what our delivery team goes through. Yeah. You're going to have to, you know, um, get wax out of 200 votives mm. and see how aggravating it is. And you're going, so you're going to have to sweep the floor some days. You're, g- you're not just going to come in and start right at the top and not have to do any of those things. Mm. And I think, I think understanding that, Um, we, like one of our assistants, for instance, when she came and was in the interview process, she wanted, she thought she wanted to be a wedding planner. And I thought, you know, I knew she probably won't be with me forever, but I think it's very behooving for a wedding planner to know what it's like on a vendor side. Sure. And so I think she's learned so much. And I'm you know, I'd like to I like, do you really want to be a wedding planner still? Like, because she's worked yeah. with different wedding planners. She sees how every wedding planner works. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think, I think if you, no matter what you want to do in that industry, I think as long as you're getting your foot in the door to understand what the industry has to offer. Um, because it. Is, I mean, you know, we do pickups every Saturday night, every Friday night. And not everybody wants to no. dedicate their weekends to doing things like that.
0: Of your business, what organization or... Company is your is brings you the most money
1: Well, if you ask me this year, I would say Auburn University Really? Mm-hmm. Just because we've done a couple of big events for them um, But slow and steady. I would probably say Alabama power UAB we do a lot of corporate
0: How much of your business is corporate versus private or individual
1: I Would probably say 40% is corporate
0: Okay, and that is the UABs, the Alabama mm-hmm. Powers, the mm-hmm. Auburn Universities, and things like mm-hmm. that. Why does someone from Auburn come all the way to Birmingham to get captures? Because there's not one down there?
1: Right. There's not There's not that availability down there. Wow. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of business in Fairhope. We do a lot in Auburn, Mobile. Um, we've gone to Atlanta. We've gone to um, Marie and me, you know, Neely. Yeah. They had two weddings on the same weekend in Virginia.
0: Y'all went all the way to Virginia? We went
1: to Virginia, and we serviced both of those weddings for her. So there's opportunities like that. because. How much do you do with Neely? I'm sorry, what? How
0: much do you do with Neely?
1: A good bit. Um, she travels a lot, as she we does. all know. She's not um, local much anymore. But usually when she's local or she's in, um, you know, we just went to cashers mm-hmm. with them. I think it depends on the, the aesthetic of yeah. the wedding they have as to who they go with for that particular event. But, I mean, she, she's one, definitely one of our top clients.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's next? What's next for the business?
1: I think really seeing where Prop House can go. We, um, When I first started out, it was all about the flowers. Then I transitioned, and it was all about you know how many couches and chairs and lounge collections can I get, bar facades, that yeah. sort of thing. And now I think the market has really transitioned to be more of a custom sure. request. So we do a lot of custom building. We do tons of custom painting, which sets us apart. Um, and I think really developing that custom Custom avenue.
0: Custom pieces you can charge custom prices. That's right. Um Mandy, would you ever consider starting another <laughs> um,
1: I guess
2: like branch? Another location. Another
1: location. I've been, I asked that I've been asked that so many times. And I now my answer is really no. Because there's, the not really inventory. Inventory. there's not really a point. There's
0: not really yeah. a point to having all the same crap in Atlanta.
1: I mean, I tell people I have trucks. They have wheels. I'm happy to go wherever you want us to take yeah. it. I mean, if you wanted us to go to Jackson Hole, we would pack a tractor trailer truck, send a driver out there, yeah. fly the team out there. They would unload load it, set it out, pack it back up, send go it back from home. There. Yeah, because the, just because we have millions of dollars in inventory, and to get that in another location, and you're never going to have everything you need. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of rental businesses, conglomeration businesses that have more locations, and they may have an office here, and like their headquarters is somewhere else, and so they have trucks running back and forth, but I I, I don't want to get into all of that.
0: But who really, like like, in 1997, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You don't need that now because of the information, the technology, and all those different things. I Mm -hmm. mean... You just don't need it right now, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for our clientele, we have, I would probably say, 95% of our inventory online. So if you're in Fairhope, you can go to our website and you can pull up all our inventory. The quantities we have, the sizes, the pricing, yeah. we put pricing out there. And uh, if they want it, then they'll, they'll get us to go there. I mean, we just did a, an event in Tuscaloosa, uh, pre-Alabama game, and they wanted our round bar painted red, crimson-tied red. Painted crimson. Painting crimson. But
0: tell me about your family. Yes. What's family life like?
1: Um, It's a nice work-life balance. It's hard, just like anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Have a partner of about 12 years. Okay. And, um, you know, it's been really a struggle, ups and downs. You know, we met when I was working solo, and um, she also did flower design. That's how we met. And then she actually moved to Birmingham. She's from Louisville, moved to Birmingham, huh. worked with me, yeah. um, worked for several years um, and then realized as I brought in more floral designers and things like that, I think as it grew and right. I was growing as a business owner, I think it was better for us to realize that we didn't need to work together all sure. the time just simply because I was the boss and that's hard. Yeah. And so um, now I just take on that role and um, she handles everything that needs to happen with all the things at home. Perfect. Yeah. It's, it's a good balance. It's a good balance.
0: Kid, let's talk about kids. Yes. You want to have kids?
1: No. I've never had that maternal instinct to want to have really? kids. Yeah. You know, some, some people are like, I just want to be a mom. I want to have a kid. I just never, I never have. I didn't even have my first dog until I was <laughs> 21. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's a responsibility. And it's not that I didn't want responsibility, but my business was my responsibility.
0: Let me say this. I you say know? it all the time. I got four kids. Yeah. And because I say this, I've said this a hundred times, and I've said a thousand more, mm-hmm. is I've got Jana, I've got Tegan, and I've got Georgia. And those are my three humans. Mm-hmm. But the business part of what we do is mm-hmm. a creation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it morphs over time. Mm-hmm. It grows. Mm-hmm. There are setbacks. Mm-hmm. There are good things. There are bad things. It's just like a human. And I told I tell people this all the time, tell other business owners, you cannot expect people that work for you to treat it like you do. That's right. Like Luke loves Tegan. Mm -hmm. But Luke will never love Tegan, my son, like I do. Right. He loves the business. Mm -hmm. He will never treat it like I do. Mm -hmm. Treat it good, Mm -hmm. but you can't expect people. Right. And I think that the expectation that you put on other people and understanding that they're not going to treat it like you do. Mm-hmm. That's right. You got to have that because the hardest, the worst part about any relationship mm-hmm. is unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it's great though that you are pretty dialed into what you want. I mean, you got, yeah. you realize hey, you know, I don't want kids that yeah. that's,
1: totally fine yeah I'll spoil everybody else's that's right <laughs> that's I'll exactly spoil everybody right. else's and, right. and then send them back home
0: <laughs> so t- right, well, tell me about your parents your parents still live in what's what they are, they yeah. are? what do yeah,
1: they do they are what are they doing my dad's now? still in the business my brother and him work together in a business uh my mom obviously retired yeah um, you know, she's still doing what she loves to do. You know, it's kind of funny. She loves to collect things. She loves decorating. She loves mm-hmm. things. And my dad always makes fun. And he said, you know, you're just like your mom, but you just realize how to make a business out of it.
0: You just did a lot better with it.
1: You know, <laughs> tell me, um,
0: give me the next 24 months yeah. of prop house, yeah. house business, whatever,
1: um, really looking towards either purchasing a building or, or, um, building a building to house all of our warehouse closer to where our, our you've got, actual... You've
0: got 24 acres.
1: Right. Building on that. Because mm. now it's just undeveloped at this point. We have our, our 30,000 square foot building, but we have an off-site warehouse about a mile down the road. So what, the 30,000 square foot is just our showroom. So all of gotcha. our loading docks, all of That's our... That's down the road. Cardboard boxes. Why do you not the just
0: put it on, the, on site? Because it's cheaper to have it a mile down the road than build something?
1: Um, it was... A few years ago, trying mm. to just build build up the the you know your piggy bank so you can invest in, and you can actually build something because it's expensive to build things. Oh, it's very expensive especially to build when you're things. talking about building a sixty thousand ninety thousand oh, square foot building. Yeah, maybe. yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: That's huge.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So thinking about that, you know, way outweighing the the pros and cons of do I want to purchase another building not too far away or do right. I want to actually build on the the land that I have there?
0: So talk to me about. Outside of prop house, hot house, yes. what do you invest in outside of that? Real estate. Tell me about that.
1: Um, well, it kind of it was kind of a little bit of happenstance when um, I had a I moved and uh, my neighbor was 96 and sweet little lady and uh, she passed away a couple of years after we'd been there and her children came to me and said, Hey, we're going to put the house up for sale. Would do you would you be interested in buying it? And uh, I thought, you know probably a good thing. Yeah. I can control, maybe this is my, my entry level to be a landlord, trying to be, have a renter that got some income. And, uh, and so I actually had one of my best friends who was looking for a place to live. He, they lived in a place, but it was coming up for, for lease. And, uh, I ended up buying the house next door, renovating it. And, um, and then they moved in there and okay. so that was instant renters so I Perfect. instantly had somebody paying the rent yeah. and uh, and also you know a little nod to that is you know he's one of my best friends so having mm. a couple that lives literally right beside Next you yeah. who is one of your best friends is is an amazing thing
0: what else would real estate have you done?
1: Um, purchased um, lake house yep Mm-hmm. so have
0: that this is this is like many and I knew each other through like um, <laughs> business and seeing each other some right. things. but then all of a sudden she buys this lake house and then uh-huh. we buy a Walcox Point and it's right. just like I'm seeing her stuff online and she's seeing my stuff <laughs> online and we, we kind of became Instagram buddies online <laughs> right, <laughs> talking right, about right. the different things now let me say this yours is a lot more aesthetically like, you've got, like, you're painting <laughs> these different colors, and my wife is running the show there, and she's just like, hey, we got to have a plane, and it's got to be right. not, as, not as eccentric as yours. Sure, sure. So, tell me, how did the lake house come about?
1: You know, because I worked all the time, I really wanted an escape. Mm. Not necessarily an escape just from work, but at work, I'm there and i'm accessible and so i get a thousand questions
0: oh you're telling Noah about the flood yeah and Mm -hmm. so
1: for me to be able to get some alone time to actually do mandy's work Mm. it's hard sometimes and so i wanted a place within within driving distance about an hour hour and a half that i could drive to in the morning do my work out there and i could drive home just like it was another day at work yeah so i wanted a, a retreat that i could go to Happy place, quiet place, something I had always wanted. There was probably, I don't know, maybe ten years ago, I took a business class online, and you know, it was about inspiration, your goal setting, and things like that. And it was like create a Pinterest back when Pinterest was like so big, Mm -hmm. and it was like create a Pinterest board of things that you want, like if you could throw your dreams out there, what do they look like in a Pinterest board? And like I had a couple lake house things on there, you know, you just like, and it's like, okay, setting goals. This is one of my goals. I would like to have this, and so it came a little bit quicker than I thought it might but it was a great opportunity and so
0: decided to do it are you going to short term rental that thing
1: I don't not now I think I want to enjoy it for a little while Yeah, maybe after the newness wears off maybe perhaps Um, but I definitely was thinking about it when I chose that actual property Um, Because it does have a lot of of attributes that are um, appealing, I think, when you Mm -hmm. look at Airbnbs and and things like that. You know, you look for, you know, the aesthetics of it, you know, the theme of it. It has a little cave in the back. So, it has some interesting things that make it different than some of the other ones.
0: All right. So, you own the house next door. Yes. You own the short-term or a place to the lake. What else? Right.
1: Um, The building that I'm in now for work and um, looking to, like I said, do another building. Either build it or buy it. So,
0: Anything else real estate-wise? Not right now. Any any other investment stuff that you do on the side? Any market stuff?
1: You know, I mean, I say I'm a risk taker, but I've never really delved into the the market that much. My brother does a little bit, but I haven't ever been been there and i mean to be honest you know it's it's being a small business owner and and you know trying to pull whatever you can and and have a, a comfortable wage and then what can you take as dividends and things like that we got reinvesting them and and it's just like you know where where do you want to put some of that that you think will be a long-term sure. you know behoove you or take care of people if you're gone or what's going to happen to all of that and yeah. so i think for me it's a very safe place
0: no i get it to, it. to
1: do that yeah so
0: um Before we wrap up, what questions do you have for me? Anything. We don't get a chance to talk much.
1: We don't. We don't really. How many people do you have on your
0: staff? Mm, About 14 or 15. Yeah. Yeah. Got a couple contractors that like aren't W2 people, but we pay them every month. Sure. Sure.
1: What's your favorite thing to do in your business?
0: (sighs) I think meeting with people.
1: Mm -hmm. You're a people person. I am.
0: I am probably best meeting and being with the client slash people in general. Mm -hmm. I'm a question asker Mm -hmm. more than I am. And I'm a talker, Mm -hmm. but I'm a question asker. And Mm -hmm. I think people feel comfortable when they, when they're being asked questions because people like talking about themselves, talking about their business, talking about their kids, talking about their whatever. Right. So I think it's what they know. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. you walk into a room and you, and you have to have confidence and things. But when you like, come, well, coming into this podcast, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, what, what questions are you going to ask? There's no prompt like questionnaire you send out. It's no, just I like, let me, uh, uh, let me just talk about you, tell your story. And it's like, well, I know what my story is. So it doesn't make it as, yeah. you know, you're not as nervous. Yeah.
0: You know? So I think, that, I think that's probably my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I like, um, I tell people this all the time. I like food. Mm-hmm. I love business
1: yeah I've heard that before
0: Uh I mean it's just yeah I do I enjoy food and I get creative ideas Mm -hmm. all the time like I've changed I've added things to the menu four things to the last two weeks last week and next week's menu Mm -hmm. for the Collins College kids Mm -hmm. just because they're creative and I want to do something different for them and love on them a little bit and like Mm -hmm. something funny so like there's a lot of creative creativeness in my brain. Mm -hmm. Some of it has to do with food, but a lot of it has to do with the business part of it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I like business. I I like to set goals and see what I can do to reach that goal. Yeah.
0: I agree. Um,
1: but I love being creative Yeah, and I, I don't like for that particular area to be stifled at all.
0: Um, before we go, I got a handful of quick questions. So right. Quick answers. Quick answers. So who is your favorite follow on social media?
1: I love following other rental companies to okay. see what they're doing. Uh, there's one particular out of the Washington, D.C. area called Something Vintage. And, hmm. uh, and they do a lot of customization and things Just like, like that. They do a lot of behind the scenes. Yeah. So I like to see, hey, what are other people doing that I can try to do myself to?
0: Right. Business owner, real estate, um, managing 28 people, mm-hmm. 28 people. Mm-hmm. What are you focused on learning right now?
1: How to how to give Mandy a little bit of time. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I give a lot to other yeah. people. And I think really realizing where I can try to grab pockets for me. Mm. Um, I was doing really good at that right before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. We were in a really good spot. I was able to focus a little more on myself, do a little more things for me. Um, but then when COVID hit, it would just, you know. <laughs> yeah all turned around especially for our industry Well, yeah, me, too. and uh and it took then coming back i just had to reinvest my time back in it to help right. get it back on track so yeah. i think we're slowly getting close to that and i think that that's you know being selfish a little bit with that because i do really give a lot to, to everybody there
0: what is your f- the f- your favorite vacation that you've ever taken
1: i went to holland and uh, I won a floral design competition, and part of the, the, the winnings was they sent you on an all-expense trade, paid trip to Holland, and you got to see the inner work, work, workings of the flower market. And, I mean, millions of flowers go through the Dutch flower market every day, and it's just like it's like a stock market you'd see all the the numbers pop up on the screens and the flowers are coming through on carts and and all that so it was definitely a cool experience you got to see that perspective and they took me to see different flower growers and so um there are lilac are grown in like swampy watery areas and so that farm you took a boat you were on a little boat and you went out and you could see all of it growing on little islands, and it was it was really really cool. And I wouldn't be able to have that experience if it wasn't for the wholesaler, the nat- international wholesaler who took me there, because those were their
0: connections. That is the best answer <laughs> to that question that we've ever had. <laughs> well, that is such a, a good answer. It was answer. a cool
1: experience.
0: That is awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've had Sweet. a lot. I've gone a lot of fun places, but that was that really brought what my profession full circle yeah. for me to see it from the beginning to the end and to see how lilac is grown and then when I go to my wholesaler and buy it and it's twenty four fifty a bunch which normally I would do that I'll mm. be like oh my god but no.
0: not after I've seen Got how it. they grow mm-mm. you better get it now that's right <laughs> that's wow. right that is precious <laughs> so what is your favorite vacation that you've never taken
1: I would love to go to where my family's from in Slovakia.
0: Majeric. I was going to ask yes, that. Yes,
1: yes. And uh, some of my, my relatives have visited there before. I right. haven't ever had the opportunity to go back, um, but we do have living relatives over there. And so I would just love to see that part of the world too.
0: That's great. What's yeah. the best book you've ever read?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I would probably say the one that kind of was pivotal, pivotal in my brain about how maybe I could work business a little better was Profit First.
0: Yes, my girl. I read that on vacation,
1: mm. and, um, and I, I picked the different parts brilliant. of it. guy's brilliant.
0: Yeah. It's so good.
1: Yeah, I picked parts of it, and I didn't open up, you know, the eight bank accounts or whatever, but I did try to figure out this savings account. How could I move things over first? How could I get a little more money off the top before what was just left? Because there's never anything left if you're reinvesting everything, especially. You
0: are the first. Part. Okay, so. so tell me what. You, tell me what buckets you have, and I'll tell you what buckets I have. <laughs> so what do? You, how do you break it down? Do you not have separate bank accounts?
1: Yeah, we do. We do. But you know, I didn't come back. My my bookkeeper probably would have looked at me like I was cross Listen,
0: My bookkeeper <laughs> thinks I'm nuts. <laughs> And the tax guy thinks I'm nuts too. In some ways, so tell uh-huh. me what you uh-huh. tell me what you do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have I have personal savings, of course. I have company savings. Um, you know, we do we allot lot tax and things like that, yeah. get that over. Um, but for the most part, I, I try to trick myself a little bit, only keeping a certain amount in checking, so then I can move over things so I can actually purchase. Mm. They're not always separate accounts, like a purchase account. Uh, you know what I mean? But I kind of know because I'm still so in the business that I I see that all the time. So I know what's there and what I'm willing to spend on certain things. So, but it was, it was interesting just to see, especially if you're a person who is an entrepreneur and you're not getting paid all the time or you're not, you know, do it like, how can you trick yourself and and actually make it to where you can see just a glimpse of what could be. You know what I mean? I think sometimes you 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 feel like you're drowning, especially if you don't have a big team or you don't have a big crew. And, you know, I think seeing it where you can feel like, hey, I'm actually reaping some benefit of this, yeah. you know. That's great. I love it. So I love, it. So it was, I love Profit First.
0: I'm yeah. the same way as you are. I read yeah. the book, mm-hmm. and he is – Malkowitz goes into it really, really deeply, and mm-hmm. it's, like, overwhelming. But you got to pick and choose what works for you. That's right. So we do have an income tax account. Mm-hmm. I have a – I have a profit account, mm-hmm. and the profit account I start off at one percent, mm-hmm. and I'm up to six. Mm-hmm. So I take six percent off the top mm-hmm. and goes in a profit account. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a sales tax account. I think mm-hmm. that's extremely important to have a sales yes. tax account. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes mm-hmm. we to pay a lot in sales tax. Sometimes we don't pay a lot because of working with nonprofits. Like, right. you know, we do a lot with obviously Highlands College. We do a lot with the University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. So like, there's some weeks we'll bring in fifty grand and. $3,000 of sales tax, because right. we work with a bunch of nonprofits. Um, I do an owner's pay mm-hmm. account, and then I have a real estate account. Mm-hmm. And I take a certain percentage every week of gross income and sock it away into that. That's great. And just, I'll let that thing build. Yeah. So let's talk about how you get paid. Yes. So this is a question that I ask all business owners, and whether privately or publicly, do you pay yourself a salary? Yes. Or do you pay, okay, you don't pay just whatever's left over. So you're an S corp. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you pay yourself a salary. Um, okay, then my next question, this is really technical. Is it all salary or is it salary and um, draw?
1: Well, I have a standard salary. I yep. get paid just like everybody else every two weeks. Me too. That's what I count on. Yeah. And then I'm, I, I'm the only owner in the business. And yeah, so then I'm able to take draws or dividends yeah, and, and that's where I can take chunks sure. to put in different places.
0: Does the chunks that you take, is it consistent or is it quarterly and just based off of revenue?
1: A lot of it's based off revenue. Okay, um, I think, you know, I would love to say that I would love it to be more steady. So I could have a set percent, you know, a set thing. But yeah. sometimes it, you, you know, it, you have good quarters and bad quarters or quarters that are better than others. Yeah, sure. And so if we do have an excess, then I try not saying I won't ever have to put it back in somewhere. No doubt. But I think that that's the opportunity because if it's sitting there, it's like you can always find something in the rental business to spend some money always. on. There's you know? always something I can buy. Yeah. I mean, we're about to buy a 10 foot Santa sleigh. <laughs> I mean, you know, but yeah. it's a big request we've had yeah. for several years. And this is the first year that I'm like, you know, let's we could it. this. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. Emily absolutely loves you. She works with us and she's, she's wonderful. She Love interned you. with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She loves you. Um, <laughs> you have a sale how often do you have your sale where you sell some of your stuff?
1: At yeah, your... we usually do it a couple times a year. Okay, when no. is it? We usually try to do one um, probably around like March-ish. Okay. And then we usually do one towards like August, September. But okay. so it's a little bit slower time sure. for us. Sure, not
0: going to do it in December. Right, no, no, <laughs> no. no, no. Um, okay, so if someone wanted to contact you, yes. whether it be ask a question or want to do business with you or wanted to come work for you or whatever, where the, what's the best place for someone to find you?
1: Um, they can definitely go to prophousebirmingham. dot com. Okay. That is our, our main website. Yep. There's inquiry forms, things like that. Um, but that also gets shoved out to all of the sales team. Then that would come to me. Yeah. So they could put a personal note in there if they wanted to, or they can pick up the phone and dial our regular main line and they'll take a message and get it to me.
0: Great. Hey, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. If anybody has anything for Mandy, go to prophousebirmingham. dot com. Uh, she'll get back to you. And just any questions, she's a wealth of knowledge of, of, on so many different levels. So thanks so much.
1: Hey, I appreciate the invitation.
0: Yes, ma'am.